online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound, the Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show. I think I say that every week. Uh, but <laughs> so, as good as anywhere starting the show, isn't it? Uh, myself, Colin, and Bob with you for the next hour. We're reviewing two games, Sunday and Wednesday. They seem odd days to have games, don't they? They, they do, yes. Odd, odd days and odd times, uh, but that is football uh, in, in the, the COVID times, isn't it? Uh, the Sunday game, definitely, I felt we did okay, really, considering that we were playing the team at the top of the division. We were pretty much in the game until right until the very end, uh, whereas last night's game, uh, you have to say it was fairly comfortable for Watford, really. Uh, also, we'll be catching up with former manager and chairman Brian Lee, uh, who is also overseeing the move from Lopes Park to Adams Park. It'd be great to hear his thoughts. We'll catch up with midfielder Dominic Gape as well. Uh, and we will be hearing uh, from Emily Hagen, uh, a behind-the-scenes um, glimpse of life at Adams Park. That and more to come, but we better start, as mentioned, at, uh, at Sunday. I don't think that's an actual expression, but I think I meant on Sunday. But yes, as you mentioned, the game against Norwich, which, you know, despite the the scoreline, had uh, a number of um, sort of standout parts of it, uh, not least the five substitutions. Yes, which we think possibly is is unique. Um, I don't know whether it's ever been done before in a competitive league game. I certainly haven't noticed anyone making five substitutions all at the same time. Um, and you have to say that actually that it worked. Um, and definitely for the 20 minutes after the five substitutions, we, we did look like we might have been able to snatch a very, very unlikely equaliser. Um, it was a really en- entertaining and interesting game, I, I thought, the Norwich game. Uh, Norwich are fantastic. They passed the ball around really, really nicely. We definitely couldn't compete with them that way. Um, but we did nearly make them pay for not being particularly clinical in front of goal. I think watching them, you really get the impression that they're, they're a team in form, they're on a winning run, and they're top of the table. Yes. Although in that Norwich way, you do sort of slightly think that actually they're going to go up and then they're going to spend the whole of the season at the bottom of the Premier League and come back down again. <laughs> they need a sort of between-leagues league, don't they? <laughs> yes, they do. Yes. That, Championship that Premier... Plus, let's call it. Pre- yeah, that, that's even better. I like that. Championship Plus, rather than anything to do with the Premier League. Yes, they need to be in the Championship Plus. Um, and I think you could probably say the same about, about uh, last night's opponents as well, because Watford did play some very good stuff. Um, and it, I found that just a, a thoroughly... Oh, it was a frustrating game because as soon as Andre Gray scored for Watford, you never really got the impression that we were ever going to get back into it. And I know that we had the ball in the net um, early in the second half when David Weeder was judged to be offside. But last night you felt that Watford actually pretty much played the entire game in second gear and probably had another four, five, maybe even six gears that they could have gone up through had we equalised. Um, and, you know, and actually that possibly then the scoreline might have been slightly eye-watering in a Brentford uh, Blackburn type way uh, whereas it wasn't like that at all against Norwich you know even though they they probably were superior to how Watford played we somehow we we hung in there the whole time uh, and you know and were creating opportunities. Plenty to be pleased with and the manager spoke to the media after the game. Really proud of the boys you know we had a we had a plan to frustrate Norwich and, uh, and I thought we did that I thought we did it really well I actually think we had the better chances in the first half and it's unlucky not to hit the target, you know, and, and I think that's, uh, that's something we'll work on with him. But he's so young and, and so ex- excitable and fearless that uh, he'll take his next one without a shadow of a doubt. And then, obviously, they score at the start of the second half. We just switched off and uh, and just a mistake out on that on that right wing for Norwich. And uh, Norwich at this level, I've said it so many times, you know, and I uh, thought the subs all made an impact and we changed for the high press. 
I thought we uh, we caused them problems. They're obviously hanging on to a lead, and then the second goal kills us. But um, you know that happens sometimes, and, uh, and we've got to get ourselves together and uh, and make sure that next time we uh, we we come out, which is against Watford on Wednesday, we're we're fresh, we're ready to go again with the same intensity and same drive. I think at one nil, they're a little bit nervous, and we probably get get maybe chances. We had chances second half. You know, we just didn't take them. And when you've got players of the quality they've got, they do take their chances. I mean, you did have them on the ropes for the third part of the match. I mean, we've seen the um, incident with Offerball on Crawl. I mean, what did you think of that? Anywhere else on the pitch, that's a foul to us. Referees saw it opposite, I don't know. I think Nandi's face might have hurt Krull's arm. I think that's what he'd give. So we'll have to tell Namdi to stop putting his face in people's elbows. <laughs> well, I guess it's just one of those decisions again, though, isn't it? They always seem to happen against Wickham. I mean, do you think you're going to get the rub of the green before this season's out? It doesn't matter either way. You know, I'm, I, I've asked for it. It doesn't matter if we get it or not. It's about what we do. Defending that second goal was terrible from us, that corner. That's something I've got to pick up on. But the rest of the game, I thought we were really good, really good. I thought that we've caused Norwich a few problems there. Uh, we didn't hit the target as much as I'd want to, but um, we definitely had chances to, and uh, and that's the difference, really. You know, I don't think they've hit the target too many times, but uh, it was uh, it was a cagey game, and uh, for somebody who's twenty four places ahead of us, uh, I thought we quitted ourselves very well and gained a little bit of respect from uh, from Norwich. Although Daniel Farker has he's the utmost respect for us, and and I hold hold him in very high regard. I, I hope he gets promoted just because of him and the way he is. I think he's a fantastic guy. And he has a good team. And uh, you made five subs all at the same go. I mean, what was the thinking behind that? Well, to change the game, to change the, the uh, dynamics of the game. And I thought it worked. I thought we uh, we went to the high press, which, uh, you know, you can't play from the start. You, you just, I've seen Norwich tear apart um, some teams who've tried to press high against them, really tear them apart. And the space, if you concede space behind your back four, you know, team of Puki, just exploits that like you wouldn't believe and there was a couple of times he got in today but not many because we did it really well that's their big weapon and uh, and I thought we handled that well but they have quality all over the pitch and uh, and like I said the, uh, the the goal they scored it's a deflection off Josh Knight it's unfortunate it took that to beat David Stockdale the second one's very disappointing for me but uh, you know I don't want to talk about disappointment I want to talk about how Wickham Wonders playing top of the championship of uh, a really give them a little bit of something to think about. And, uh, okay, it's 2-0. Everyone looks at it 2-0. Yeah, that was the, that was, that was expected. Um, I'm hoping people watched the game and thought, do you know what? It wasn't probably a 2-0. It was uh, closer than that. And finally for me, guys, um, how happy are you that Joe Jacobson is now back playing after a couple of weeks out with an injury? Yeah, I mean, he's great. Uh, but Jordan Obeta has just been as good. So I have, I have, uh, I think that's testament to where this club has come now. Joe Jacobson hasn't hasn't had a challenge for six years, really, at left back. Not a, not a, an experienced player, somebody who could go toe to toe with him. I think Jordan is that, and that shows where we are. I've got Jason and, and Jack at right back. I've got centre halves challenging each other and, and midfielders. We have a good squad. The plan that Rob Keurig and Pete Keurig are putting in place for this club are championship future looking at the championship if I can keep them up this year brilliant and if not we are going to be back here and that's that's uh, that's something that's our long-term plan and I want to be a part of that and, and and it's so exciting to see and to speak about Wickham Wanderers 
and championship in the same sentence. It's it's crazy sometimes, but I absolutely love it and can't wait for the long-term plans to come off us. Believe me, they will. Really interesting to hear Gareth talking, uh, A, so positively, especially after a defeat, but also um, in detail about the five substitutions and wanting to change the, change the game when you think that could well happen again. Yeah, and it, and it really did change the game. And actually, I felt that we could have probably done with the five substitutions maybe a little bit earlier last night. Uh, but obviously, we only had three and, and then two. Um, but yeah, I would have made all five uh, a little bit earlier. But, you know, uh, he, he's the manager, not me. Um, after the Norwich game, we also heard the thoughts of Dominic Gape uh, speaking to Alicia Povey. A bit of a stop-start season for you. How does it feel to be back today? Uh, amazing. Uh, sun's out. Um, great to represent Wickham again. To get to get a start and uh, yeah, unfortunately we couldn't quite take home the points today. Yeah, uh, some missed opportunities, but overall a good performance for the team. Um, what are the boys looking to take forward to Wednesday against Watford? Norwich are a really good team, and the Gaffer and Dobbo and and the staff implemented some tactics that they felt gave us the best chance. And I think I think the tactics worked to treat. Um, frustrated them first half, and if we could have just taken a moment or two. When it mattered in, in their final, in our, yeah, their final third, then uh, who knows? On another day, it could have been, could have been more. And those five substitutes in the second half made quite an impact. Does that sort of show what kind of depth this squad has? Yeah, hundred percent. Gaffer can go bam five subs, try and make an impact on the game, and again had a good positive impact. We had more chances. It's just slightly frustrating to concede again because I felt like we had them on the ropes a little bit Good to have Dominic Gate back in the side uh, although unfortunately not the, not the results he was looking for but again some really interesting points that he made as well yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, really good that that he has come back, um, and definitely. I mean, you know, the the Watford, the previous Watford performance was really, really positive, um, and so it did make last night's uh, defeat all the more disappointing. Um, but to be honest, I did feel that actually probably there were going to be a lot of games like the game last night, and the fact that there haven't really been that many of them, uh, and that you know that we were really in the game on Sunday, um, again, is is all credit to to Gareth and the team. You just read my mind, actually, because exactly the next thing I was going to say was, I happened to see that you tweeted that that game was how you imagined a lot of the games against the top sides in the Championship would be, and it was a real credit to the... I feel I'm just reading what you said now. Uh, it, was, it was a real credit to the team that, that so many of them haven't been. It, it, but it definitely was, and I, I think we all probably felt a bit like that, that, that actually, you know, yeah, there were going to be some really tough afternoons and, and some tough watches, and if we're honest, there haven't been that many. You know, yes, OK, I know we say it every week now, but yes, Blackburn and Brentford, you know, th- those were fairly unpleasant to watch. But other than those two, you know, we have been pretty competitive in most games. Um, and last night was was the first time, really, other than the, the two thrashings where I was watching, you know, and as I say, as soon as Watford were 1-0, I just didn't really feel that, that we looked like we were going to be able to get back into it. And even if we had... I felt that the the opposition that we were playing, you know, clearly were were going to be able to to just you know basically turn on the skill a little bit like happened in the Spurs game where you know yes we you know we we were to all of our credit in in it with five minutes to go and then all of a sudden their class showed and I felt you know playing Watford last night they looked much more actually like a Premier League side than some of the teams that we faced this season and again arguably even Norwich which is why you know I I said I I feel that possibly Norwich will go up but maybe the that they're a little bit naive and that they will probably come straight back down again. Whereas Watford, you feel, have possibly got a little bit more about them um, and, and, you know, and possibly will, if they do go up, will manage to stay there. Join us next week on the Wickham Wanderer Show when Colin repeats exactly what Bob just said. As a- <laughs> 
<laughs> that's what all the great double acts do. That's indeed. That's a it's great good. tribute. I'm, I'm impressed it? how much you read the script this week. It's really good. <laughs> almost took your line. Almost you might say. But no, it, I just it really stood out. It was a good point. I thought that you know before let's call it pre-championship you imagined that you know and i think a lot of non-wickham supporters as well would have thought you know we're gonna get turned over a lot and and definitely. that's not been the case definitely i i think non-wickham fans thought you know every week we're, we're gonna see you know scores of four five six nil you know that, that wickham are going to easily get the least amount of points in the championship ever um and the fact that no actually you know we haven't done that we have competed pretty much every game um you know Definitely, you know, credit to Gareth, credit to the players, credit to the Kuhigs, the the players that they've been able to bring in. Um, you know, clearly the big thing is going to be: can we keep some of these players next year uh, to actually start our assault on the championship again um, in League One? If we are in League One, and I think mathematically now it's beginning to come slightly more into view actually what we need to do and i think probably we have to start you know being a little bit more realistic and i picked up gareth being a little bit more realistic i think last night when he was speaking to phil catchpole a tough game here at vicarage road a 2-0 defeat and uh any positives to take from that uh no, was uh, again a thorn in in uh in the side of the defenders at the uh at the, you know the wrong end of the pitch um it was it was a tough game, Phil. You know, we uh, we didn't give a great account of ourselves, if I'm being honest. And uh, we've done a lot better in games uh, recently. Um, even even Sunday, I thought we were outstanding against Norwich, and uh, and maybe there's a fallout from that, from the efforts we put in there. Um, tough uh, Wednesday night, and if you're not on it against one of the top teams in the league away at Vicarage Road, you uh, you get punished. We found that out, um, but we'll bounce back. No problem at all. I'll pick the boys up for uh, for t- uh, Saturday's game against Stoke, and and yeah, looking forward to it. When you said that you, you were disappointed with some of the performance tonight, was was it a case of Sunday, Wednesday, what for an extra day? Did that play into it? Um, maybe, you know, it's uh, it is tough. It's really tough, you know, this this COVID stuff and and everything, and all these fixtures being crammed in together. It is tough for the for the squads with uh, for the teams with smaller squads, but. Like I say, I'm, I'm really learning a heck of a lot about the championship. There is so much quality in this division. The gulf is immense, honestly, really is, especially from the top sort of five, six teams to the rest of the league. And then there's a little gulf, and, and then there's probably a group at the bottom, and, and we're in that, of course we are. Um, we need, you know, a, a pretty good run now to keep us in the championship. We've done, uh, we've done it before. Um, but that was in different leagues. This is going to be tough. Um, looking forward to Stoke, picking the boys up tomorrow. Let's go again. Nine from 13, I mean, I'll give you a positive. You haven't got to play Watford and Norwich again this season. Uh, but nine wins from 13, Gareth. I mean, even, even the fairy tales might not be writing those sorts of stories. <laughs> Listen, I'll keep believing. You know I will. I'm, uh, I'm loving it. I, I wake up every morning. Lucky man manager of a football club in the championship I'm loving it I'm learning like I say a heck of a lot uh, yeah 9 from 13 does sound uh, ridiculous but um, who knows Wickham Wanderers could do it I'm, I'm sure if, if anyone can uh, but we, uh, we, we we were just at the races tonight and uh, yep take that one on the chin pick the boys up and we, uh, we'll go again Saturday it is about picking the boys up they came off the pitch tonight they, they looked a bit tired and, and a few looked a bit dejected as well and is that the challenge now week on week to, to keep picking them up when, when they're at the bottom of the table <laughs> don't be down don't be rejected dejected because do you know what if if you give your best that's all I can ask for I give my best and, and if it if it comes up short it comes up short but just make sure you don't leave anything out here and you've given your absolute best to to, to win that game um, 
if that's the case, then we just weren't good enough tonight, and uh, and that's a hell of a team. But when you got when you got the money on on the team that they've got, I mean, uh, some of the some of the players are just phenomenal. You know, the Premier League players, and fair play to them. Great techniques, some good finishes, some outstanding skill. Um, but the disappointing thing is, we have matched those teams and beat them in the past. Um, wasn't going to be tonight. Like I say, can't wait for tomorrow now. I've got a, a picking up job to do, which I love that as well. Despite the results, Gareth, I mean, you've got a big smile on your face here as well. I mean, as a manager, personally and professionally, you must be learning a lot as well this season too. <laughs> oh, wow. When I took over this club, I think we were fifth bottom from League Two, you know. So, to be in the Championship... How can I not smile? Uh, it's it's the best thing in the world, honestly. And I have massive admiration for all the managers who stay in this championship. You know what? Nigel Clough, a few years ago, was keeping Burton in this league. Wow. Wow. I, th I knew it was a good achievement then. That's a, that's a phenomenal achievement. And uh, hopefully we can match it. We'll see. Looking forward to Saturday now. And... Uh, Hopefully we can get a win there. Like you say, uh, a bit of a different tone from Gareth speaking to Phil Catchpole there. Um, very grateful to uh, to Phil. Uh, do check out his Ringing the Blues podcast as well. But you also noticed that uh, there was quite a different sort of tone from from fans online, especially after that game as well. Yeah, I, I was looking on Twitter um, after the game and, and quite hastily stopped looking on Twitter because there was a lot of negativity, a lot of, oh, if we carry on playing like this, you know, we, we, we're going to get relegated next season from League One, let, let alone be relegated this season. And again, you, you just think, you know, listening to, to all the points that Gareth made there about Watford and just, you know, the, the gulf in the championship is absolutely enormous between ourselves, who were a small team in League One, um, and teams teams like Watford and, and Bournemouth, you know, Bournemouth, who were the, earlier on in the season, uh, you know, were able to field £99 million worth of talent against us. That, again, is why I say, you know, that actually, when you look at the season, it's completely to Gareth and the team's credit that there haven't been more games like yesterday and like the 5-0 and the 7-2. And I think we have to remember who we are and the fact that actually, you know, yes, we, we of course we want to stay in the Championship, but... I wonder what some of the people who've been criticising the style of play... I'd, for First of all, I slightly wonder well, which, which team do they think they're supporting. You know, Wickham have a particular style of play. We've pretty much always played that way. We weren't particularly going to change that in the Championship. You know, what, what do these people expect us to suddenly start playing the sort of the Barcelona-style passing-it-around type type football? You know, that's that's not Gareth at all. He's done so well to get us to where we got to um you know do, what are they saying that actually they want us to discard him and bring in a, another manager which is what you know goodness me 99 percent um of new owners probably would have done it in the situation that wickham are in at the moment but no no of course none of us want that you know we 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 are wickham wanderers um you know gareth ainsworth is is such a part of the club um and you know, complete hats off to him. Uh, we should be so grateful that he is still manager of our football club because he could have so easily at any time over the past few seasons gone to QPR, uh, you know, at any any of the local teams, uh, clearly, you know, very linked with Blackburn as well and Preston. Uh, but no, you know, he's chosen to stay and I, I think we should just appreciate and, you know, and all the people who were singing his name in July who are now calling for, for, for not necessarily his head, but for the team to start suddenly adopting completely different tactics really need a bit of a reality check. And I think supporters as well, often what they write online straight after a game isn't very objective because yeah. they're, you know, they're the same people who are saying, oh, you know, we're going down and then, you know, you get a win against Huddersfield, a comeback win against Huddersfield and, and they're, it, say, they're saying, we're still in this, let's go. 
exactly that, isn't it? And you know that that's why the the, the so called football moanings on radio shows are so popular because fans do do exactly that. Um, and yes, you know we've got Stoke City now on Saturday. It's not going to be easy. Stoke are currently mid table. Um, they've got forty five points. They've won eleven games, drawn twelve. Um, but even so, you know if if we manage to get a, a victory against them then, yeah, you know that actually a lot of those people who were criticising last night will start being positive again and, you know, and and praising the manager and whoever possibly might score the winner uh, and begin to speak about, well, you never know, actually, you know, we might be writing another story. So, yeah, I I think, you know, I I think you do have to just take take a breath after a, a loss before then going, you know, all sort of guns blazing, as some people did seem to last night. Still to come on this week's edition of the Wickham Wanderer Show, where we catch out with the club's commercial operations executive, uh, a title I oh, well done. failed Very to right. wholly remember earlier, uh, and also former manager and chairman Brian Lee on the way next. This is Wickham Sound. Still to come on this week's edition of the Wickham Wanderer Show, we'll take a behind-the-scenes look uh, uh, from in the club, from the club, to the club uh, with the commercial operations executive Emily Hagen as well uh, not least because it's International Women's Day on Monday that was part of the reason anyway uh, coming up next though uh, very grateful to the Wickham Wanderers uh, ex-players association uh, JDT and Alan Hutchison for our uh, regular uh, chats with former players but this week uh, we'll be speaking or we are speaking to a former manager a former chairman and someone who oversaw the move from Lokes Park to Adams Park fantastic to get his thoughts and uh, hopefully he won't mind me saying if he does we can edit it out for the podcast uh, that uh, Brian Lee on Sunday celebrated his 85th birthday and I've been speaking to him about his memories of his first connections with the club I was um director of Bissom Abbey and uh, I also was uh, coaching via the Football Association Oxford University which is a a unique job because it ends as it were with the varsity match in December so it's like a three month season and uh, I had a phone call via Frank Adams from a man called Thompson who was one of the committee men at Wickham and uh, through Frank Adams I've been recommended by the Football Association but uh, when I said that but I'm, I'm coach to Oxford University yeah, but this is Wickham Wanderers and I said yes but my word is my word so anyway they waited until after the varsity match and then I was free to take on Wickham so it was 19 whatever it was 68 or something So what were your impressions when you first started? Well, I, I I didn't know too much about uh, the Ismail League because I'd moved from uh, Lillishall, another national centre in Shropshire, and I'd, where I was managing Wellington Town in the Southern League, and um, that was totally different. Uh, you know, it was semi-professional football as against amateur, uh, clearly amateur in those days, etc. So, yes, there was a big. So I I just was unaware of it and then obviously learnt as I went on. And did you have in mind a particular style that you wanted the team to play in? Yes, oh yes, I mean I always, I always play, try to play attacking football, always try to uh, employ footballers as it were and uh, people who can listen to instructions and carry them out are very valuable nowadays. They may not be the most skillful ball players but they are, all put them together and you get a team. Are there any particular sort of matches or occasions that particularly stand out during your time in charge? I mean, we, we, the one thing I regret, we won, the, uh, I think, the Eastman League 
three or four times, and we finished second a couple of times, I think, if I remember. But uh, the only thing we didn't do well was in the we did have a good run in the FA Cup with the Middlesbrough game, etc. But uh, the one thing that I didn't do very well for the supporters was the the Amateur Cup. I didn't do very well in the Amateur Cup and let them down, which I regret. It must have been so pleasing for you, though, that the players that you were able to, to bring in, as mentioned, we've spoken to, to former players who, who said, you know, how persuasive and what a great influence you had in, in helping them as well in, in kind of settling into the area and also to the team. Yes, I mean, the, 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 you know, you're playing football for a short period of time, but uh, you spend a long time together, so you, you want to make sure they all get on. And they, everybody calls, you know, a team spirit, which is obviously what it is. But you've got to make that a bit different and a bit special if you possibly can. And we achieved that. Some people came and I, I got them jobs and helped them to relocate to schools and different things. University. <laughs> And also your connection at Bissom must have been extremely useful as well. I know that the team trained there and, and also um, you're able to have sort of friendlies with, with teams like Tottenham as well. Yes, uh, again, the, because of Bissom Abbey and um, before that, I, of course, I was at Lillishaw where uh, the England team trained in 66 for the World Cup and all that, so I was quite involved in that. Uh, so, yes, you get to know them and... And um, you sit down in uh, after the in the evening, and you just chat and natter. I mean, I used to talk with Alf Ramsey into the early hours of the morning. <laughs> Out of that becomes a spirit. You know what I mean? No, definitely, and great to have those contacts and connections as well. Oh yes, yes, yes. And, but I think um, everybody, wherever we played, they were always very impressed with us as a, as a club. Not the team, you know, not the, just the players, but the whole entity. You know, how we presented ourselves, how we played, uh, courteous and grateful and, you know, and so on. And that's something that really seems to have followed throughout the years, even even to this day as well. Wickham seems to be such a, a family club and you speak to former players and indeed managers as well who say that, you know, there is something really special about, about the club. Yes, I think it, I think it has pervaded through and I'm, if it has got anything to do with it, then I'm, I'd be very proud of it. I mean, when I did arrive, it was... It was rather barren, if, if, if you know what I mean. And um, they played in the uh, as amateurs in the Eastman League and they travelled, but it was definitely, when I got there, there was, there was no spirit. You know what I mean? Mm, certainly. No spirit. So first thing was to... And when we changed players, and it was the manager's responsibility to make sure that he got the right players in, selected the right players, and developed the club in the right way. And it, you only do that if you've got the right people around you. And there does seem to be such a great sort of camaraderie as well amongst the, the group, you know, hearing, hearing stories about how the wives and girlfriends always travel with the team and, you know, they, they yes. so, socialise together as well. Yes, that's, uh, that's right. And uh, my wife always used to have a Christmas party at Bissam Abbey for the wives and the girlfriends and, you know, to say thank you for the support. Yes, little things like that are, are important. You must have seen so many changes at the club, obviously, throughout the time you've been connected with it, but especially when you're a manager and also going on to be chairman as well. Yes, I think it was, uh, I think the, the, the difficult time was, uh, was that we just had to move the ground. You can't obviously put football before a hospital, and the hospital needed to expand onto our ground. It was quite straightforward. They haven't done actually as much as they said they were going to do on the on the actual pitch, <laughs> but um, 
nevertheless, uh, the hospital came first, so we had to move. And it's a kit about finding somewhere. And the, the, the biggest regret about Wickham, people speak, as you've, you've been speaking, quite highly of Wickham Wanderers. The only people who didn't speak highly of them was Wickham District Council, Wickham Borough Council, Wickham District Council, whichever it was. We had no sympathy from them whatsoever in, A, finding a new ground, and when we'd found a ground and then we'd go through, support for the development of the ground. It was all extremely difficult. So eventually we were forced out to Hill Bottom Road. And we went to Hill Bottom Road, and I went with a colleague, an architect from Cambridge, who one Sunday morning met there, and we looked at this ground, which was on a hill, and I said to him, do you think we could build a football stadium there? And he said, I'll never forget his words, I don't see why not. So we got on doing that, but you know what I'm saying, my... Uh, and then when, when we started, of course, geographically, it's not exactly in the right place. But you can imagine nowadays, if we tried to be at stay at Lokes Park, we'd have been turfed out anyway. Of course, it must have been fascinating and so challenging to be heavily involved in that project, though. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, and uh, we got uh, a limited amount of money in order to do to do things. And I got uh, at cost, which was a, a building company. To uh, and they they were very good, and they did it. It's all in units and so on. A bit different. And we and we needed a four-sided ground, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's finished up. And it's, it's remarkable how it's developed. There are lots of lots of positives and things to be proud of, really. And and fortunately, uh, this is uh, carried through, hasn't it? Really, to the present year, present time. I was going to say, it must have been fantastic for you to have seen seen how the club's grown and now obviously to be in the, the second tier of English football as well. I'm not uh, uh, as enthusiastic about the second tier of English football. I'd rather be in a tier they can cope and live on their own, etc., you know. <laughs> but such is, the, such is the game and how it's developed, uh, promotion and relegation are be-all and end-all. But in actual fact, if you're involved in a club, it's about the survival of the club and living at the level you can afford. But in a way, it's, it's such a huge achievement to have seen the club, as you say, sort of get to the Football League and, oh, then, and then to make the progress that it has. Yes, absolutely. Huge achievement. When, I mean, when I, as I said, when I joined, it was in the Isthmian League. And the, the other interesting thing about the Isthmian League, which um, was that uh, it, it was a, a league of 18 clubs to, when I joined when I joined Wickham, then increased to 20. It might have then gone on to 22, but I, I remember the 18 clubs and... And the point, really, was there was no promotion and relegation. So you would say, even if you were bottom of the league, like Corinthian casuals were every year, you know, and you played them, well, good to see you, see you next season. And you knew, because there was no promotion and relegation, but there was a spirit there. We were looking forward to seeing Corinthian casuals, even though they finished bottom. <laughs> And non-league football must be something that you're very passionate about, because I know it's something that you've been you know, working with for a long time as well. Well, I think um, I, I, I think the joy is, and I mean, for example, when I was at uh, Bissom Abbey, the England rugby team used to come in and uh, for weekends to train, etc. And all the England rugby players, they all worked and did training two nights a week and played rugby on the Saturday. But now, of course, they're professional. I'm not sure there's a, a terrific difference <laughs> between 
then and now, looking at the recent internationals. And you must be so proud as well, I'm sure you'll be very modest, but, but fantastic to, to have received an MBE as well in recognition to what, for what you've done. Yes, that was a bit of a surprise, yes. I mean, there's so many people. I mean, just take a look at all the voluntary helpers in, the, in and around it, every club. You're talking about every club, football club, rugby club, hockey club, they're, they're voluntary helpers, and they do so much. So, you know, yes, I was very surprised. I'm very grateful. Do you have an overall reflection of, of your time, both uh, as a manager and as a chairman of the club, as to, as to what, what was achieved and, and the great progress that's been made? Well, I think the word, I think the, the word really, two things. Uh, I think we progressed on the field, and we we got a new home off the field, uh, as it were, a new stadium. And whilst the stadium is not in the ideal place, and I, I no, don't need reminding of that, every time I go there, it hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know, when, when we, we gave up a town site uh, for the benefit, and, and we then could not get the support of the councillors. And uh, I don't know how many, I think, is it, um, I think it might be th the 13th site and 12 others have been put forward in and around Wickham and been turned down, you know. So, yes, I don't have um, uh, much sympathy with uh, or much uh, pleasure from Wickham District Council. <laughs> it's, it's just the fact that we were in such a magnificent spot before. Uh, people could walk to the ground and so on. Now, not that many can walk, so you've got to be you've got to be mobile, haven't you? No, absolutely. And and, that, and the, the the other regret about that, particularly, uh, are young young players, young boys uh, now, boys and girls now, um, who could walk to if we were at in the town, would be a lot easier than it is where we are now. So they have to come with somebody else or an adult, uh, etc. So that's a bit of an inconvenience, and, uh, but overall uh, we did the best we could. No, definitely, and I've heard so many stories as well from talking to, to former players who, who grew up in the town and then went on to play for the club as well, which is, which is a lovely thought. Well, that, of course, is uh, really w w what, uh, what my philosophy was, that the, the club, w Wickham, wanted to people in Wickham first and foremost. And it's only when we can't find them in Wickham that we might go out to Marlow or Maidenhead, you know what I mean? That's that was my thinking, and let's make it our club. And let's make it the town club. But um, um, you, you get, uh, I mean, the grammar school obviously is rugby, so that wasn't going to produce anything. And the other schools were all in a mess, bit of a mess. So we, I was disappointed with the number of local players we had really. And something else which is really special is the, is the ex players association and and the fact that so many different generations of of players and former staff uh, can keep in touch and share their experiences too. The ex-players association means an awful lot to the players uh, to who you know who spent the time at Wickham and made friends and uh, and those friends you just don't make for football you make for life and uh, there are a lot of them so that's uh, one of the big pluses and that's why I think Wickham is a bit of a family club. And that's something, obviously, which has been especially uh, notable, noticeable in this last 12-month period as well, that, that people can stay in touch and... and exactly. And uh, particularly during this time when people are of vulnerable ages and, uh, and get a bit depressed. Yeah, no, hopefully hopefully you've been, you know, well in the last 12 months. And yes, 
Yes, unfortunately, have that happened. So um, I think I've had COVID. <laughs> I didn't know I'd had it, but I think I've had it. I've been told I've had it. Hopefully you've had the vaccination as well. I've had the vaccination, yes. Do you feel immune now? Yes. I've, oh, yes, I feel <laughs> fine. <laughs> like it's it's, it didn't, it didn't affect the nightly gin and tonic. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, that'll be the better medication for you, I should think. Absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> it must be fascinating as well how football management changed has, has changed. Even, you know, in your time we've spoken to, um, again, former players who oh. you know, your predecessors would have would have offered them uh, rations of bacon and tea at half-time if they'd done well, apparently. I don't know if that's something oh, you kept up. No, I mean, I, the, the point of my predecessors, I mean, when I went there, uh, I had to attend uh, the selection committee meeting on the Monday. I said, what do you mean, a selection committee? Well, the, the selection committee meets at 8 o'clock every Monday and <coughs> select the teams for you. I said, pardon? And, of course, they wanted a coach. And I said, oh, well, I don't want I'm not a coach. I'm a manager. A manager, there's a big difference. A manager will come be the coach, but the coach can't be the manager. So they understood eventually. <laughs> and uh, then he said, meet on my selecting. No, I said, just a minute, I'm the manager. I shall be selecting the team. But I agreed to meet them, and I think I met them twice on a Monday at 8 o'clock, because they knew the players. I didn't know them. So, uh, I, uh, obviously, I took their advice at that time. But, obviously, I did learn in a couple of weeks enough to make my own decisions. So I met on the third Monday. I said, gentlemen, I said, next next Monday, 8 o'clock, we can all go to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, saying, you can't be a manager and let somebody else select the team. How daft is that? And it's interesting because I was also a friend of Walter Winterbottom, who was the England manager. Uh, and he was England manager from 1946 to 1962. And he never, ever selected an England team. It was only when Sir Alf Ramsey came in, or Alpha came in, that uh, he, he had the same attitude as I had, or I had the same attitude as, as Alf. So how would you describe your management style? Because I guess there's, there's managing in terms of, obviously, the football and the tactics, but also managing the players as well. Well, I think um, I was uh, very focused, focused on the style of play we wanted, I wanted to play. Therefore, the players had specific jobs to fit into the tactical pattern of play. And then uh, I think that was more important, most important. I was very... Um, dogmatic and uh, very self-centred I'm afraid about the players and um, I ruled them a bit and uh, most of them accepted it those that didn't fortunately didn't achieve <laughs> <laughs> but they got used to the style I mean interesting because when I was running Bissam Abbey clubs used to come and stay for a few days special training and one of the our uh, clubs used to come quite often was Derby County with Brian Clough and so uh, got to know him and his style of management and so on and yes okay I'll have a, I'll have a bit of it not all of it <laughs> <laughs> 
Great to speak to you, uh, Brian Lee, former manager and chairman, and uh, the man who oversaw the move from Lokes Park to Adams Park. I'm fantastic to hear that uh, he had connections with uh, former England managers Walter Wood, Walter, oh, hello, Walter Winterbottom, and <laughs> and Alf Ramsey as well. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating interview, and, and someone who probably. You know, completely encapsulates the the whole of Wickham's you know more recent history. Uh, the fact that he went back that far and then all the way to to the the moving of the grounds and whatever. You know, just absolutely fascinating. Brilliant. I'm off to practice saying Walter Winterbottom, uh, and we'll hear from Emily Hagen in the third part of the Wickham Wanderer show here at Wickham Sound. This is Wickham Sound. Final part of the Wickham Wanderer show, and uh, one of the many good things about doing the show is a uh, you get to hear from the current manager, you get to hear from current players, you get to hear from former players, uh, but also we uh, we take a behind the scenes look, if you like, um, at uh, what goes on at Adams Park. I particularly enjoyed Will the Chef. Will the Chef was good, although unfortunately his mobile phone reception rather it was, let it, down. it was. But his brownies sound sound amazing. Apparently they're to die for. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, hopefully we'll get him back to talk about his brownies. Um, but um, no, 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 definitely when he can come into the studio, um, you know, with that, br- that would be nice. With brownies, yes. So was this a point? If you if you're ever anybody related to any food <laughs> at all, and you're going into a radio studio, you know it's very rude to not then bring the food with you. And earlier in our series, we spoke to Harry Gadd as well, who's tasked with. Uh, spreading the word internationally as well. Oh yes, the worldwide Wiccan wanderers phenomenon. Congratulations, you said that much better than I said Walter Winterbottom. Yes, and you're the person who reads the football results, so you should be able to do that. That's a worry, isn't it? Yeah, well, it, it is rather. I'm we sure still I... haven't had a good discussion about you reading the football results and how you came to have this uh, you know, illustrious job that only about three people in the entire country actually do. I know, it's strange how I kind of fell into it. It was a similar process for when I got to do the ground announcing at Wiccan Wanderers. That's another good not, story for another you, day. Exactly. Okay, you're, you're just teasing us. Yes, yes. You're all making sure that people <laughs> listen to all of the Wickham Wanderers <laughs> yeah, shows on, on the podcast. If one you're day, interested Colin in, is, yeah, in those sort of stories. reveal the secret about how he reads the football results and also how he got to be the announcer at Adams Park. He doesn't do it anymore, but he used to. Yes, yes. It was during the BSD crisis, and I remember that uh, lamb burgers were replaced by beef burgers, and I did it in exactly the same way as you'd done substitution, which was quite funny. You, you've definitely said that to me about five times. I can't remember if you've ever said it on air before, though. So no, I don't I think know. I have. That's why I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, apologies to anyone who's heard that winning <laughs> anecdote before. <laughs> Someone else who we've been speaking to, though, is the club's commercial operations executive, um, a title which, regrettably, I forgot earlier on today as well, uh, Emily Hagen, who, um, well, um, I'll let her tell you. My um, sort of exact role, I guess, is going to be match day hospitality, match day experience, anything commercial operational wise so dealing with sponsors when they're here and looking after them making sure they get all their deliverables and anything really that can bring in money i'm involved in the shop it's really hard sort of to put one sort of title on it but um it came about in the, in the summer and pete wanted some rob's idea for the club is to be able to make money 365 days a year where no matter what league we're in how we're performing etc so it's all about making the business as profitable as possible and the best way to do that is with an events company so we have got a third party events company working for us and i was sort of brought in as a wickham member of staff to liaise between the club the events company the caterers to make sure that we really are maximizing the space because adam's park's got so many venues and so much potential that it would be it's silly to see it shut for six days a week or whatever it might be so essentially that is the idea and hopefully 
come June, July, we'll be able to start that up properly rather than me just doing little bits here and there when it's legally possible. I was going to say, how restrictive has the pandemic been on, on what you've tried to or want to do? It's been hard. It's been really hard. And I do feel really lucky that I'm even still here in a way because not many events companies or event staff are still employed or still on furlough. So I do feel really lucky that I've been able to sort of lend my lend my hand in other areas whilst this has been going on because we got a sniff of it in December. We had the fans back. We held a business club event for our um, business at Adams Park launch. We had a couple of meetings here, but again, nothing on any scale. We did have a lifestyle show, but that was heavily run by our events company. But again, that all happened in the space of about 10 days and then it was taken away again. So um, we sort of got a sniff and at the moment really is just a, a case of monitoring changes every day, planning ahead, understanding the sort of environment we're going to be in because we can do little bits in April then we can do a little bit more in May and then we can do a a lot more in June hopefully but will there be some restrictions and what will those restrictions be and you're sort of planning all the time for different eventualities and essentially it's it's tough Um, it is tough and we're just lucky that we've got the Keurigs that want it to happen still and are really pushing for it because like I said so many events companies now are struggling and out of work and it's it's been a difficult year but I just feel very fortunate that I've been part of it this year it was such an exciting season for the club anyway it's a shame that the fans haven't been here as much as we'd have hoped but um it's just a lot of planning rather than a lot of doing but it must <laughs> so, be a really exciting time to be involved with the club especially you know at the, the championship status and and so much interest around the club as well the interest has been great sponsorship wise it's been really it's been a real big boost for the club and Everyone seems to still refer to it as Little Wickham and that's just not how we feel anymore. So I think it's really exciting. It's been an exciting year. I wasn't here for previously, so I can't say exactly the differences. But the biggest shame is that we haven't been able to share it with all the fans. But let's just look forward to next year and hope we can bring them back to championship football as soon as possible. It must be really nice for you as well to be in this kind of early stage in your career, yet having such a a great, uh, interesting and such a challenging job. Yeah, it's um, definitely a throw-you-in-at-the-deep-end kind of job. had experience in event operations at Wembley and Tottenham and Charlton, but um, never in the sort of level that I am now. I was never at the behind-the-scenes planning of them. I was just very much on-the-day operational. I have been thrown in the deep end. It's quite a juggle with my Masters and working three days a week, but you work three days a week, but the job doesn't stop on the two days you're not in, so... You, Every Wednesday you come in and it's like, all right, catch up on what happened for the last two days and then we'll carry on. So, um, yeah, it's been a, a bit of a juggle. It's been a very exciting season. It's absolutely flown by. And like I said, I just feel very fortunate to have been given the opportunity. And so, at such an early stage in my career, to be given so much responsibility is just, yeah, I'm just so grateful. And just so many different aspects of the club for you to experience as well. And I know I know you did a bit of match report writing at last night's game as well. How was that? Yeah, um, so managed to wangle my way into the media team last night for an, an away day. And I just wanted to be able to help and help Matt in any way because we he is a one-man band most of the time. We have now got Alicia, which is a great addition. And I just offered it about 15 minutes before kickoff. I said, oh, I'll give it a go. Then I sat there and thought, hang on a minute, I've never written a a match report or even read one so I had a quick read of some previous ones as quickly as I could and then but no it was 
I really enjoyed it. It was very stressful. I, don't, I feel like the game was lasted about 15 minutes because I was just concentrating so hard. And again, you wouldn't get that experience at any other club. So again, that's why I feel so grateful that I've had that chance because that's not something you can just slip into at a Premier League club. You can't just all of a sudden go along and write a match report. So um, yeah, definitely an experience, one to add to the the profile. <laughs> but yeah, no, really good. And Matt was happy with it, which I wasn't. Ex- I wasn't expecting him to use it. I was just expecting to write it and it'd be just so I wasn't a spare part on the day. But there we are on the website. <laughs> And uh, something else you're doing, which is really nice, I think, is the, uh, speaking at the Women in Sport Conference as well, which sounds fantastic. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so um, my university uh, hold an annual Women in Sport Conference. It's actually at a conference that I attended in my first year. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I just got the uh, I got an email to ask me to be a guest speaker. And I just assumed I was on sort of a student panel and, of discussion. But it turns out I'm talking about sort of an early early careers for women in sport and it's something that I'm obviously very passionate about getting more women in football. And I don't think there's much of a big sort of shock when a woman works in sport now. And I think that's great, but it's still a difference. So I think getting the voices out and making people aware that we can do it and we do it well. So I think it's really important for girls, for young girls as well, to to see people at school I've always been sporty, but it was always, oh, you can you can be a PE teacher or you can do sports science or you can do this. And I think USFB really gave me that opportunity to, I did a sports business and sports law degree, which never was on your, your radar at secondary school because it just wasn't the done thing, I guess. And it wasn't common. So I think USFB have really changed the the sort of landscape for women in sport and so to be asked to to talk is just such an honor and I am really very nervous I'm really looking forward to it so um yeah another amazing experience it must be a real sense of pride as well having you know done the study and sort of done all the uni work for it but now actually to have a role and and a job which is actually going to put that into practice as well yeah 100% like I said I did three years of a sports law degree and now halfway through a sports management master's so it's really interesting now, especially with the sport management, that you're learning things in the classroom on a Monday and a Tuesday. Then I'm coming to work on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and actually being able to use them straight away. And I, I do think experience is just the best way to learn, especially for me. I'm such a doer. So the the things I've learned this year are just second to none. And again, I just feel so grateful to, to Pete and Neil and to all the management team at Wickham that I'm here still and I get such this like Matt giving me the opportunity last night so just to learn on the job is is great it really is it must be great to have such variety as well it's definitely a lot of different things going on like I said we we're always involved we're such a small office team we're always involved in all the discussions so whether it's season ticket refunds whether it's media opportunities whether it's commercial new sponsors new partners new match day protocols new anything like that you're always involved and I think that's just so so special for someone at this stage in their career we've got a young team four of us are all from UCFB all newly graduated so um to have that variety it it just really helps you to I always thought I'm going to go into events and that's all I ever want to do and now I've had a commercial I'm thinking oh I I quite like that and I quite like the the sort of buzz of new partners and new opportunities and bring your money into the club so I think it really does help sort of open your eyes to 
to so many different opportunities. The Wickham Wanderers Commercial Operations Executive, Emily Hagan, speaking to us here at Wickham Sound. And fantastic to, to hear, you know, such a, a kind of young person, if you like, getting their opportunity and, and to, being so involved with a club who, you know, got promotion to the Championship must be so exciting. I'm really interesting to hear actually just how small the team is. Mm. Uh, again, I think we we all know that that actually, and I know we said it a lot about the playing side, but you know that actually the the club is one of the obviously smaller ones in the championship, both in terms of the playing staff they have, but just actually in terms of the general staff. Uh, and to hear Emily say that you know that actually they're involved in all of the discussions and all of the decisions, you know, really really interesting insight into her life in the offices at Adams Park. The, the playing side seems to be the one person she hasn't been involved in yet. That's true, yes, you never know. She she might be one of the five subs on Saturday <laughs> against Stoke. <laughs> Fantastic to get the opportunity to speak to her. I say it's really nice to get a kind of behind-the-scenes feel at the club as well. Yes, yes, that's, you know, we're, we're doing quite well. We're on that and on the ex-players as well, we're very grateful to both the club and the ex-players association uh, for all the interviews that they have allowed us to do during the, the season. No, definitely, and, and, and brilliant to sort of chart the progress as well of the team, both on and off the pitch. Uh, looking ahead to the next game, of course, uh, Stoke, a team, well, well, all of the games that we were playing, well, the teams we played before, but um, we were saying that Stoke was, was one of the clubs or one of the teams that we played against with, with actual fans. It was, it was it was the first fans, it was the 1,000 um, uh, fans returning to the stadium so it was the the test event uh, held uh, all the way back on the 2nd of December which seems like a long long time ago now uh, when we lost 1-0 that night um, seem to remember that we, we played okay We again one of those games that we competed in uh, but didn't actually quite get the results in the end um, Stoke um, recently sort of doing okay um, so their most recent game uh, they lost last night uh, 2-1 to Swansea City um, before that a couple more losses to Brentford and Barnsley uh, but they did beat Luton Town 3-0 uh, Sheffield Wednesday 1-0 um, earlier on in February um, so yeah a bit of an inconsistent side but we are going to have to be very very good I think to beat them on Saturday I was going to say quite hot and cold aren't they yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, and then, of course, after that, we play Queen's Park Rangers, who seem to be the, the ultimate hot and cold team uh, in the division at the moment, uh, where they, they seem to have a bad run, and you think, goodness me, they're doing really badly. And then they have a couple of eye-wateringly good results, and then, then some bad ones again. Um, so let, let's hope that we are one of the, the eye-wateringly bad results for Queen's Park Rangers. We play them next Tuesday, 7pm uh, kickoff at Loftus Road. And, of course, that was the game we were due to play, uh, which was unfortunately called off when we were having a bit of a, a, bit of a good, good run. Yeah. Especially still with that Preston win. Yeah, indeed. Um, and, you know, and interestingly, then the, the following Saturday, we then host Preston again um, at Adams Park, uh, obviously this time in the Championship, having already beaten them 4-1 in the FA Cup. And you do, again, feel just slightly that actually, had those games not been cancelled or postponed due to COVID, that might have been the start of actually, you know, something amazing. Um, and, yeah, just such a shame that, that those got postponed. Oh, if only I was more superstitious. Certainly a feeling of optimism going forward. Join us at the same time next week. Check out the podcast as well.